Thank you for joining us on the CFF Podcast. Today, Pastor Pablo Martinez will be inspiring you with a message from the Word of God. We hope you enjoy and welcome home. All right, let's give Jesus a round of applause. How about that? Awesome, awesome. Give somebody a high five next to you. Have a seat. Tell them you look good today. You look really good. All right. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to keep it really short today. So I'm not going to read all the verses to you. I'm just going to read a few of them. Mark chapter 8, verse 22 through 26. Mark chapter 8, 22 through 26. Then he came to Bethsaida, and they brought him a blind man and begged him to touch him. So he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes, he said, oh. <laughs> and put his hands on him. And he asked him if he saw anything. Yeah, I saw you spitting on my face, he said. No. And he looked up and said, I see men like trees walking. Then he put his hands on his eyes again and made him look up. And he was restored and saw everyone clearly. Then he sent him away to his house saying, neither go into the town nor tell anyone in the town. Dear God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the time that you have given us on this earth, God, that we would love you and people. God, I thank you because I know that today you are uh, moving already. I just ask you, God, that a word in season would yield fruit and fruit that remains in people's lives. God, help us to have vision Vision for us, but more importantly, vision that belongs to you, God. Vision for people that desperately, desperately need it. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. It says here, first of all, that uh, he came to Bethsaida. Bethsaida. And they brought him a blind man and begged him to touch him. You have this guy and, and he's blind and, and he does not come to Jesus. Somebody brings Jesus, this guy. Keep that in mind. Did he come to Jesus? Somebody brought him. I don't know if you're here because somebody brought you or you're here because you came on your own. Either way, we're glad that you're here. Amen? Yeah. So he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands on him, he asked him if he saw anything. And he looked up and said, I see men like trees walking. This is the first time and the only time in the Bible where God's miraculous power seems to have a short circuit. It's where God kind of runs out of juice, it seems like. It's like, whoa, hold on. Weren't you like the healer? You're kind of like the half healer right now. I don't know if Jesus didn't have his coffee that morning. You know, he didn't, have his, uh, he didn't sleep so well. Or maybe he was kind of, you know, distracted by the game. I don't know, I don't know what, what people must have thought. But Jesus touches this man. No, he spits, first of all, in his face. And uh, by the way, how would you guys like it? You bring a brand new person. Hey, pastor, you know, this is my friend. Yeah, well, uh, hey, can you pray for him? Yeah, sure. What's going on? Yeah, you know, he, he got this thing in his eye at work. And, you know, it just, here, come here. <laughs> what do you guys think your buddy would do? They're like, uh, yeah, bro, I ain't coming back to the church ever again. Well, mind you, this guy was brought to Jesus. Okay, he didn't come. He wasn't a disciple of Christ. He was brought to, that's literally the scenario. Like you bring anybody here for the first time. Raise your hand if you're here for the first time. Perfect. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Okay. So imagine you show up at a church. It's weird enough like the environment. You know what I mean? Sometimes it is. But that the pastor would just, what would you guys do if you probably punch him in the face, right? 
if the pastor just spits in your face. That's what I'm saying, right? You're like, dude, angel, don't ever bring me again to this place. Well, this is exactly what's happening. You know, this guy gets brought to Jesus because he's blind. And Jesus, number one, does this weird thing that, that honestly is just strange. He just hugs a look in this guy's face. And then he asks him, so what do you see? And this guy answers, man, I see people like trees. Now, that sounds like that's a half miracle. I, I mean, that's pretty good. But you go to the, you know, to the eye doctor, you expect to come out of the doctor with glasses that can actually help you see and see clearly. I got LASIK in Colombia. Don't ever do it. Just kidding. No, no, it's pretty cheap. It's like 750 bucks for both eyes. Over here is like three grand. I'll hook you up if you want to. You just got to be crazy. But anyway, so I got LASIK. And when I came out, man, it was wild. I had been wearing glasses for a long time. Well, not wearing glasses. I didn't even wear them. I was supposed to be wearing glasses for a long time. And people would, I'm not playing. I'll get in fights because people thought I was dogging them. And so you're like, and so people were thinking I was dogging them all the time. I was just trying to see who they were, you know. I was like, who were you looking at? I was like. I see a tree, <laughs> you know, this, this, this guy in Colombia, so I remember coming out of this and for the first time seeing clearly, man, it was such a beautiful feeling. You're like, wow, that's what she looked like. You know, it was like amazing. It, it, it was really, really cool. It's like beautiful to be able to see the signs and everything. Well, this guy didn't get that, at least not the first time. Here's God trying to do a miracle and doesn't seem to succeed. How many of you guys know that there's times in your life where it seems like, God, where's my miracle? Like, I know you got something started. I know you got going with my life, but where's the rest of it? I remember very, very clearly before I got married, you know, before I had my girlfriend, before I was, she was even my girl, you know, like my girlfriend. She's not my girl. Like, I don't own her, you know. But before she was my girlfriend, you know, I was thinking like, man, God, I'm serving you. Thank you. You've done so much in my life. All the hatred's gone. All these things are gone. You know, it's, it's a beautiful thing. My family's great, but I still feel single. Like, it's kind of like, you know, I still don't have my full miracle. Maybe you're serving God and things are going better, but you know things can get better. Raise your hand if you know things can get better. There's a problem if you settle. A lot of people settle in their walk with God. They get something from God. They receive a touch from God. They have an encounter with God. They begin to walk with God, but then they realize, wait, this is pretty good. And then they stopped searching for that second experience with God. We call them one-night standers. So you had a one-night stand with God. You had your, your deal with God. And now you feel like you're already this religious person. So that's about it. You see, what we just did in prayer and in, in worship, some of you guys were waiting for it to end. But some of you guys were waiting for the Spirit of God. And that's the difference between the person that receives the second touch and the person that may have some sort of experience. The people, I'm telling you this, the people that feel like God is done with them, they have no idea who God is. God hasn't finished with you. The Bible says that we go from glory to glory and victory to victory. From glory to glory. Yet many people are like Al Bundy. Anybody know who Al Bundy is? Four touchdowns. You know what I'm saying? Back in high school. And it's like, bro, I know back in the day you had this one experience with God. But have you experienced God lately? Like have you this one Incredible poet said, you're only as funky as your last cut. I'm just kidding. You guys are probably too young for that. Anyway, Whitecliffe John. Anyway, so, so you have this one experience with God, but you have to always desire a little bit more from God. Always a little bit more. When you're doing your devotionals and God said something, I want to know who here, without raising your hand, who here says, I know there's a little bit more there. 
Do you know what I'm saying? Like when, when, when there's those people that are like the extra mile people. And I know for a fact that these are those that get the full blessing of God. Never believe for just one second that just because you went to church, you went to the presence of God. Let me just repeat that to you. You can be a churchgoer all your life. I've known pastors that have never experienced the genuine presence of God. And that's a sad statement. I've known people, please listen to me, that just because they grew up in church, it doesn't mean that they're children of God. Someone said that just because you go to McDonald's doesn't mean you're a cheeseburger, right? The same way just because you go to church doesn't mean you're a child of God. Just because you grew up in or live in a garage doesn't mean you're a car. Same way, just because you're in church or you grew up in church, oh, yeah, I already know that one. It doesn't mean jack. Have you lately had that second touch from God? Raise your heart to God. God, I know you're not done with me yet. And this is one thing I see here. But the crazy thing about that, please listen. Most people want the second touch the way they want the second touch. But they don't want it the way God wants it. No, 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 I want it now. I want, it, I want to experience the light. And God, if you don't speak to me in an audible voice, then I don't care. Then you're not real. And God's like, I'm going to spit on your face. <laughs> and that's what I love about the Bible. Because it doesn't hide those things. If, it had been, if I was writing the Bible, I, wouldn't have put, I would not have put that. I would have God spoke yet again. And fire came from heaven. And the man was changed into a holy man for the rest of his life. He saw. Not 2020, 2121. I don't know what that means. You know what I mean? But this guy talks about this story. I mean, this, this, this church, this Bible talks about this story that I would not want to mention a church. Yet God says, hey, look, what worked for Marcos may just, may just work for Louis, but maybe not. So with him, I might try speaking to him. Louis, I'm going to have to spit on his face. Why? Because maybe Marcos heard me the first time. But maybe Louie, he needs a little bit, a little extra something, something. Do you know what I'm saying? Maybe somebody else needs to be smacked in the face. And God, I'm not saying we should be doing that. But doesn't it feel like that sometimes? Like, well, it works. Well, God, you did it like that with them. And God's like, nope, because you're not them. See, I have two boys. And I love my two kids. Elijah is awesome. And Josiah is awesome. I tell Elijah he's my favorite in front of Josiah. And Josiah, he's my preferred child. So one's my preferido, the one's my, my favorito. So they both get a little something. If they want to switch, they could switch that day. But they, know, they both know. See, there's something about these kids that I just love. But they're so different, man. What worked with Elijah, I'm going to tell you guys the truth. I'm going to open up my heart for just a second. Yeah, don't let it leave this hundred and something people. You know what I mean? It's our secret. I felt like such a good dad with Elijah. I was like, yeah, man. Come after me. Learn. For I am humble and meek. I will show you how to be a parent. And then the Lord sent me Josiah to humble me before the side of the Lord and his hearers. Man, I'm telling you, it is hard sometimes. This kid is awesome. He's fun. He's a fun. He's such a fun kid. But I have to do something that I teach, and it's called violent contradictions. See, Josiah will be the kind of kid that if he's quiet, something is going down. Like, something crazy is going down. Today... He, we found all of Eoni's jewelry dipped in oil in this, like, diffuser thing that Eoni has. And we, it was just awesome. So if Eoni smells like diffuser oils, it's because of that. The other day I found, I'm not playing, man. Every time he's around the toilet, something is going down the toilet. Something's happening. He's super wet. Something's going to happen. 
I could tell you story after story. And I'm thinking, man, what am I going to do with this kid? And so instead of me getting mad every time, I had to violently cry. I say, I love you so much. I just want to kiss you in the face. And I grab him and I kiss him violently in the face. <laughs> I'm not playing. Ask Eoni. You guys should see it. You guys should witness it. Right, Amor? It's almost like, is that Eoni? Oh, whew. I was like, okay, maybe another blonde and I can't see because of the lights. When I was at Nugen at the, the first church, I went up to, to this girl. I thought it was Eoni. It was dark, like in worship. And I went to kiss her. And she was brand new, this blonde. And she was like, ah! And I was like, ah! And anyway, she became one of the 12 eventually. But anyway, that's how I consolidate. I'm just kidding. No, no. Okay, anyway, so this, 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 <laughs> this kid will make me, like, pull my hair out. But then I realized, man, he's different. I love them both, and, and they're both amazing, and he's different. What worked with Elijah may not work with him. See, Elijah will deal with you as a parent. He'll be like, okay, well, if you give me candy, I'll stop scratching the walls with, you know, this nail. You know what I mean? And so he'll do that. He'll deal with you. And, but see, Jose has this policy. It seems like he's like George Bush. We will not deal with terrorists. Well, he will not deal with parents. I don't care what you do, he will not strike a deal with you. You could put candy, everything. The other day I had one piece of rice. One freaking piece of rice. Just one piece of rice. And I had Skittles, M&Ms, everything next to him. Everything. I even busted out the ice cream. I said, Josi, todo para ti ahora. ¿Quieres? Uno, uno. Mm, mm. Like, I'm not, how long was I there, Do you remember? 40 minutes, easy, 30, 40 minutes, just trying to deal. He will not eat the rice. So finally, so that I wouldn't lose, I shoved it in his mouth. I said, here. I just like, made him chew it. And then here, you can have the candy. I was like, hey, huh? pretty good dealing with parents. I felt like, what am I going to do with this kid? See, what works with one kid may not work with the other kid. Did you know that God has a tailor-made experience with you? And yet we are so bent on having God the same way as everybody else. And God says, you're different. You're so, why don't you just think about this for a second. Have you asked God, what is it going to take? God, what is it going to take for you and I to have an intimate relationship? Maybe some of you don't have to be crazy radical. But maybe some of you have to be so crazy radical that other people think, oh, that's intense. That's weird. Yeah, because if I don't do it that way, then I go nothing at all. When I started getting into reading the word of God, you see, I'm either all in or nothing. I don't know if you're like that at all, but either I was all in, full in, or nothing at all. I would do things like this, like I'm not going to eat unless I read the word of God. And I literally would not eat unless I did my devotional. Some of you guys here are disciplined enough to, eh, I'm going to skip it and then I'll do it at 8 p.m., 8.05. I'll be there at 8.05. And you sit there at 8.05, your pencil's laid out, and then you're ready to do your devotional. Some of us, we have to be that radical. I had this Marine on our, on, our, on our 12 and part of the leadership. You know, he got rid of everything in his house. You go to his house, it was like a real bachelor pad. There was no computer, no TV, nothing. He got rid of his newer phone and he got one of those old flip phones. You know what I'm talking about? The razors or those little weird ones that you, can't, you have to click three times to go to C. Click, 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 C. You know what I mean? And then two times to B. One time. You guys know what I'm talking about? You're too young. Okay, good, good. And I asked him, man, what's going on? He's like, man, I'm fighting for my purity. I was like, Eric, you're the man. That's awesome. He got rid of everything in his apartment. You'd show up at his apartment, and there was just a punching bag and a bed and a fridge and 
Not even, <laughs> it was the weirdest thing. It was like, whoa, dude, like, are you moving out? It's like, nope. <laughs> I'm fighting for my holiness. And I was as a Marine right there. Let me ask you that question. What are you going to do to say, God, whatever method it takes, that's what we will do. Maybe I got to get rid of something or someone. Maybe, just maybe, I got to get rid of some things that I do. Maybe for some of you in here, it's not messing you up to do something that is messing somebody else up. But maybe, just maybe, some of you need to spit on your face like I did. I know I needed that kind of thing with God. And see, after that, I realized this. When I read this story, this is what he did. He goes, they bring him this man, and the first thing he does, he grabs him by the hand. He says, I got you now. And he leads him out of Bethsaida. Now, you may not have a clue what Bethsaida is. But Bethsaida is a town that God literally dislikes. He cannot stand Bethsaida, not because of the people there or because of the name, but because of the way that people behave in that place. There's something about Bethsaida that the Word of God says this, Matthew 11, 20, 21. Woe to the impotent cities. Another version says, woe to Bethsaida. Then he began to rebuke the cities in which most of his mighty works had been done. Listen to this. Because they did not repent. Jesus cries out, Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. Here's what God's saying. This foes, God's blessed them so much. And they still don't recognize me. Other people long ago would have already bent their knees before the Lord. But these guys have everything and they still have unrepented hearts. And so what he's telling the blind man, I'm sorry, bro, but I can't work with you in this environment. Ah, God can do everything. Yes, of course he can. But does he want to do everything? This guy came without faith. I know that because he didn't come to Jesus. He was brought to Jesus. If you were brought here, you're probably still thinking, what time does it end? But if you came here for something... You're probably writing stuff down, if not taking mental notes, or saying to your distractions, shut the heck up, I need to hear this. Because see, that's what happens when somebody wants it. This guy, he was neither of those. He was the guy that was like, okay, fine. Is there going to be cute girls? <laughs> and so he was there in front of Jesus, no faith at all. But then Jesus pulls him out of Bethsaida, and he spits in his face. Now he sees a little bit. Tell me that doesn't increase your faith, at least a little bit. If the spit doesn't, the seeing, <laughs> man, you begin to see things. Anything would be a great help. And so he takes them to the second level of faith. But the first level is getting out of that same environment. Jesus says, I'm sorry, man, but I cannot work with unrepented people. Please listen. If you're unrepented today and you came to a church expecting to hear anything but that, you'll be sorely disappointed. God loves you so much. He wants to forgive all your sins. But he cannot forgive any of your sins that you have not repented for. I would rather you get offended today than you going out with a lie from this place. God loves you to death, literally. But if you do not repent, then there's no forgiveness, no salvation for an unrepented heart. That's not my opinion. That's the word of God. And so what he's telling this man, you want faith? Stop hanging around unrepented people. What I'm trying to tell you is this. I'm not saying you should become a loner. And, oh, you're a Christian? No, then I can talk to you. You're not a Christian? Oh, I'm sorry, brother. I can't talk to you. That's not what I'm talking about. What I am talking about is your heart, your mind, your, your spirit. 
what is it brewing in? What soup is it boiling into? Am I making sense? What influences your heart? What comes into your spirit? An unrepented mindset? The kind of people that says, I got nothing to forgive. Me? I got nothing to ask anyone for forgiveness for. Really? How about God for being so prideful? Is there an unrepented spirit? Perhaps you're here and you're saying, well, you know what? I'm not all that bad. I mean, I haven't murdered anybody lately. Just kidding. I haven't done this. I haven't done that. I mean, Marcos probably did. Look at him. He looks like a stone. You could say all kinds of things, but at the end of the day, are you a repented heart? Are you saying, hey, you know what? I don't want to be like Bethsaida. I want to be like those people that God can move through and into. This guy gets pulled out of Bethsaida, number one. Number two, if you want to have vision for your life, the vision of God, not only do you have to leave an unrepented heart, and in many cases, believe it or not, it's unrepented people. The second thing is this. You have to be able to see people like God sees them. He says, I see men like trees. God touches them a second time. And he says, now I see them clearly. A lot of people see other people like objects. You're just like a tree to me. Piece of wood. You are just for my needs. And if you don't have a way to meet my needs, you cannot bring me any warmth or cannot be anything for me, then you mean nothing to me. See, what happens when people have had a half experience with God, they don't have the heart of God. I don't care who you are, where you come from, what you've done or what's been done to you. God loves you and he accepts you. I told you, an unrepented heart cannot. And this is the beautiful thing about this. The moment you repent, it doesn't matter who, what, where. God opens his arms, nailed wide open just for you. Literally just for you. I know for sure, as a matter of fact, for my life, the moment that I started really saying, God, I'm sorry, I need you. I want to draw close to you. I began to have compassion for the lost. Compassion for people around me. Compassion for my own family. You see, I was the most uncompassionate person that I had met. I had no compassion for anyone, anything. I don't care what it was. And it wasn't because I was an evil person. I had just grown cold to the pain of other people. What something happens is that when you hear it all the time and you see it, you become accustomed to it. Did you know that as a child of God, you can become cold as well? That as a cell leader, as a, as a churchgoer, man, as an American, you can see things and say, whatever. Eoni was looking at the news the other day and... Actually, it was yesterday, or maybe even, when was it? When you were telling me how many have died in the fires. 55? 50 people have died in the fires. And how many people are missing? 600 people missing. 600 people missing and 55 people in the fires. To us, to some of us, it's just news. But those of you that responded, you have something there that God moved for that specific thing. I'm not saying every one of you guys should right now empty your wallets and give to the fires. What I am saying is when was the last time God tugged at your heart for something and you responded? It doesn't have to be the fires. It could be that person in the street that you know it's hurting and you just simply stop and say, Hey, I may not have money, but I have this sandwich. You want to share it? 
Or maybe just maybe it's your coworker. That that day, she seems more depressed than usual. And you simply go up to him and say, hey, look, this may come across as weird, but there's a lot of weird things out there. Weirder than this for sure. But can I pray for you? I don't believe in prayer. It's okay. You don't have to. I do. Am I making sense? When was the last time God moved your spirit, moved your heart into saying, instead of judging, let me help you out. Instead of saying, you're a tree to be cut down and eventually burned, you're a child of God, you're a person. Or you're a creature of God. Amen? Hello? <laughs> Can you hear me now? Right? How many of us here, last time that you moved, your heart was moved with compassion, not with pity? So what is the difference between pity and compassion, Alexis? I put you on the spot. I know, I know. It's not easy. But what is the difference between pity and compassion? This is Alexis. She's single. <laughs> she has a great heart and loves the Lord. And yes. Pity is doing nothing and just feeling sorry for someone. Compassion is actually going out of your way and doing something about it. Come on. Yeah. Compassion is love with action. Compassion is love in action. So it's not just saying, oh, I feel bad for you, but it's, I feel this, how do I help? How do I do this? You know, it doesn't have to be through world vision. It could just be through God's vision. Let God decide where your heart should be. I believe that a lot of us here have missed. Oh, man, it's going to sound really strange to someone here, but please bear with me. Misplaced compassions. You have compassion for the wrong things. I had so much compassion for those things that were destroying my life. I was not radical with some things that I should have cut out of my life. And I was not being compassionate to those that truly needed compassion. That was wrecking my world. I was being compassionate towards Bethsaida. And not compassionate towards those people that were around me. I had so little compassion for my own family. Please listen. My family came last. My friends, so much compassion for them. That's because you don't understand them. Listen, please. I know you're not going to like me right now. Have you asked God what you should do and how you should feel about what you're feeling? Sometimes your misguided compassions can really hurt your life, not just other people's lives. Sometimes we feel bad for something and God is saying, you should not feel bad about that. This is the way it needs to be. One time there was this guy. He turned from God completely backslid and I had the ability to help him and I prayed that time and look I never have a hard time giving and I'm telling you my wife and I my wife is one of the most honest people you'll ever meet if not the most honest she doesn't let me lie if something needs to give needs to be given let's give it whatever it is I mean that 100% but that time I prayed and God said nope you cannot give it it wasn't because I couldn't it's because that prodigal son had to come home And that prodigal son had not yet been hungry enough yet. Does that make sense? Have you asked God, really, is this your compassion? Or is this just me feeling sorry for people? You see, because when you see clearly, God allows you to see with true compassion. A compassion that is able and willing to do whatever it takes for people to be better off. This guy here was able to recover his sight in the second touch of Jesus. First thing that happened was this. Is that this man, he was able to see Jesus clearly. I don't know about you, 
But I want to see God clearly in every step of my life. I want to see God move in my family. I want to see God move in my finances. I want to see God move with my friendships. I want to see God move with my children's life. I want to see God move in everything that is around me. The second thing, I want to see people the way God sees them. Yes, with compassion, but also see the best in them. We talked about gold diggers. Anybody remember that talk? You brought a big gold shovel, right? How we need to be gold diggers? Not, not gold diggers. That's different. Gold diggers is not a gold digger, right? A gold digger is somebody who sees gold in somebody and says, I want to dig it out of you. Instead of like, I just want everything from you. And if you don't have it, then I don't want you. No, no, no. I see something in you. And I'm willing to go through the trash, through the garbage, man, through the coal. Am I making sense? I'm willing to stick through the dirt so that I can pull the gold that I know God deposited in the depths of you. I know that most of us in this place here want God to use us. And I say most because some of you don't understand the privilege of God using you just yet. But I'm telling you, let God use you. Vision If it's about you and you alone, it's not from God. If your vision is there to just exalt you, I'm sorry to tell you, but that comes from the devil. Ah, pastor. Yeah, I know. I know. It sounds old school. But I guarantee you it won't be God's. And if it's not for God, it's against him. Christ's vision will always bless the nations, will bless somebody else. I want to be famous. Okay, for what? What's the purpose of your fame? Ah, you know, because you know where I come from. It doesn't matter. I'm asking you, why do you want what you want? I want to get that job for what? What's the purpose of that job? See, if God's vision's not, if that's not God's vision, why do you ask Him to bless it? Why do you ask Him to go towards something that is not His purpose? Let me finish with something simple, very, very simple. A lot of us have double vision. We say, God, I want you, and God touches you. You press into him. You may even get a second touch. You begin to see things clearly. And now you're walking with God in his purpose. The problem is that we begin to get headaches spiritually because we begin to have double vision. Anybody know how to do cross-eyed? Cross their eyes? Try it with me. One, two, three. Can I show somebody with you? Somebody show me around you? Okay, cool, cool. Okay. That's okay if you're used to it. But I'm not used to it. I would get headaches. Listen, I would get headaches. Double vision... Gives you headaches. Double vision gives you headaches. There's no worse thing for your purpose than another good purpose. The enemy of greatness is something good. Oh man, that's pretty good too. And you get deviated from the purpose in your life. The gift of no way is the most anointed gift of the spirit. No way, Jose. No way. Uh-uh, I'm not going there. I'm not doing that. Why not? It's still pretty sweet. It's still pretty good. Yeah, but it's not according to the purpose of God in my life. Now, you don't have to say it like that because we're going, what the heck? I'm, I'm busy, man. I'm washing my hair that day. Am I making sense? Most of us here don't really understand. Now, a lot of you guys, I know you do, and you're, you're driving towards it. But do you know what the purpose of God is for your life? You came to Formation Friday, so we're going to have to read it out of the Word of God. The purpose of God in your life is very simple. Matthew 28, 18 through 20 says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And lo and behold, I'll be with you. You don't have to do it alone. How long? Till the end of the world. Yeah, by the way, in the beginning of that, it says, oh yeah, and all authority is being given to me. 
So if you and I are in this commission, we got this down. The purpose of God is not just for you to have 2.5 cars, 1.7 kids, you know, a picket fence, a vacation house. The purpose of God is that you would not just go to heaven, but to bring everyone to heaven with you. To empty out hell and to fill heaven. I know that God loves you so much. But he needs to deal with you in a different way. So here's what I'm going to do. Today we walk the journey. Let God work with you the way he needs to work with you. Ask him, please. God, if you need to spit, go ahead. I won't get offended. Do what you need to do in my life. Better is one day in your courts than a thousands elsewhere. Better is one day in your house than a thousands outside of it. God, do what you need to do. I'll finish with a story. My friend Felix and Mikey and I, we played football with him back at APU. Huge linebacker, man. Number, I don't know what number seven. No, number seven was Ishmael. Who, what number was he? Number big. He was just big. And he was crazy, man. This guy was like insane, hard hitter, middle, middle linebacker. One time we were in practice and the pile, you know, you guys know the pile. Well, this guy was standing on this side of the pile. One guy was running so fast, jumped over the pile with his helmet first and hit him right on the leg. Smashed his leg. I remember leg going backwards, him screaming, helmet coming off. This is a college football player, a huge guy. Weeping, crying because his leg was shattered into I don't know how many pieces. In one week, how many surgeries, Mikey, do you remember he had in one week? It was like seven or something ridiculous, like, like seven or eight surgeries in one week. So they couldn't save his leg. They had to literally amputate his leg. And so Jason Felix, he was a young guy, he wasn't that old. He had a, actually, he started really young, the factory, he opened it, so he had a seven-year-old kid. And Jason Felix, a father and a college ball player, he was now in the hospital without a leg. I was intense because he was our friend and we all, you know, like played in the same team. And I remember because this guy was so prideful, confident, strong. It was, you know, he was a baller. Not only that, he seemed to have a very smart wit, you know. He, was, he, he knew the world. He had somehow seemed to have lived a little bit more than others. I didn't know this, but Jason Felix, at some point, he was a youth pastor. And Jason Felix prayed a prayer and said, God, he preached actually this message and he prayed the prayer. He said, God, just like you did with the sheep, if they ever go astray, break their leg. Because I would rather hop into heaven than walk into hell. Jason Felix lost his leg. Here's what happened. While he was at the hospital... He remembered the prayer he prayed. He remembered the spit in his face. He called his girlfriend and said, we need to get married. Let's do things right. His son now had mom and dad, not just the girlfriend and the boyfriend that may leave at some point. They said, we're going to walk right in the sight of God. And Jason Felix completely changed his life around. I remember talking to him briefly. It wasn't like we were super intimate, but he seemed like a completely different person. And it had less to do with the amputation of the leg and more with the circumcision of the heart. This guy had understood, maybe God had to deal with me this way. And I'm so glad. I'm not mad at him. You know, he tried to play football later. It was one of the most intense things you'll ever see. One thing is playing at a high school level. But this guy was planning to play college ball. 
with one leg and the, the um, you know, the, the, the pro, is it, what is it prosthetic leg. And it was just intense to see. You know, one time we're on the sidelines, literally got hit and the leg fell off. Some people didn't know if to laugh. Some people didn't know if to like pick it up. And they were just like, man, it was intense. But this guy was so different. Instead of angry, he smiled through it. His life had changed. Something had been different. His purpose now was not just about Felix. See, that's Felix's story. And that's his leg. But I wonder what God needs to do in your life. I pray this prayer. God, whatever it is that you need to do, I need to walk with you. I always want to walk with you. So I want you to stand up. And I want you to understand one part of the Bible that a lot of people throw out. If my eye or your eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out. If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. A lot of people say that's intense, that's too extreme. Uh-uh. That's what it takes. I'm not saying you're physically going to cut your hand off. But maybe your right hand man shouldn't be your right hand man. Maybe what you see you shouldn't be watching. Maybe just maybe today God wants to do something beautiful with you. Say, God, whatever you need to do, do it with me today. I don't want to be without vision. Here's what happens. The Bible says that without vision, people perish. God needs to pull you out. Second touch for you. Whatever reason, whatever ways he has, let him do it. So the prayer is very simple. Ask God to give you his vision. To replace his vision. His vision. from Your vision with his. Ask God to give you his vision. Ask God to give you compassion towards people. Ask God to help you see people as they truly are, not as trees. Ask God to help you press into his presence. Because that's where you'll find him. In the inner courts. Ask God. Come on, tell him, God, I need you. Right where you are with your eyes closed. I'd love to pray for you if you allow it. If you're here today. And you recognize you've been like Bethsaida. God has been good to you. He's been patient. He's been kind. You may say, I don't believe in him. It's okay because he believes in you. He believes in you. You're here today because he believes in you. I would do you a disservice if I told you, it's okay. Take your time. Because I don't know. Because it's not I who owns time, nor you. So what I would love to tell you is something I would love one day someone to tell my son if he ever needed it. Today is a day of repentance. Don't live like Bethsaida. Let God bring people into your life instead of having to pull them out of your life because you have become Bethsaida. Let God not have to protect someone from you. Instead, let God use you as the environment of faith for someone else's growth. Ask God to change your unrepented heart into a sensitive heart. A heart that is willing to see and accept what needs to change. Ask God to give you humility and strength. Ask God to help you to walk with Him and not walk away from Him. Ask God to help you to be not like Bethsaida. But like those that followed Him on the road, on the hills, in the cold, in the night or in the morning. Those people that said, I want you, God. I'm willing to go one more step for you. Dear God, I ask you right now, if there's somebody here that has experienced your touch before, that right now they would experience a second touch. If there's someone here that has never experienced you, that today they can come to you 
The Bible says, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. If you want to give Jesus your life right now, I'm going to ask you to pray a simple prayer with me. And that's not the end of it. I wish it was. It's just the beginning of your journey with Christ. Then comes the relationship. First you say, I do. And then you live it out. We want to help you do that. Help you get close to Christ. Help you not offend Him. Help you walk with Him in joy, in freedom, in abundance. So this is how it begins. You tell Him, if you want to say this from your heart, make sure they mean it and it becomes your prayer. Those of you that want to give Jesus your life, you could repeat this after me and I'll lead you. I would be my honor to lead you in a prayer of faith of accepting Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior. Tell Him, Jesus Christ, tonight I accept you as my Lord and as my Savior. I ask you to forgive me. I repent from all my sins. Those sins that have hurt your heart, other people and myself. Even those sins that other people don't know about. I ask you to forgive me. Change my life. Change my heart. Would you make me the person that you want me to be? Jesus, I want to know you and I want to love you more and more every day. I want to walk with you and I want to work with you. Now let me pray for you. Dear God, I pray right now for anyone here that has had half vision. Maybe they felt a touch from your spirit, but today, God, I pray that a second touch will immediately, right here, right now, as you did then, touch them, God. Let them heal in the name of Jesus, their vision, their eyes, their hearts. Bring healing, God, into their lives, God. I pray right now that if somebody, because of pain, cannot see people the same, their hearts would be healed and your vision would be in them. That if somebody, because of the betrayal of the past, they cannot have good relationships now, I pray, God, that you bring healing that they cannot and will not punish other people for what others have done to them. I pray, God, that those here that are jaded towards you, Christ, because of someone's religious life, I pray, God, that they would be healed so that they could see your body, your church, your bride, the way that you see it. God, I pray right now that you bring healing to someone here who has a hard time looking at his own family. God is putting someone in my heart and I feel like I know who it is and I don't dare to say it loudly. But you know who you are. That when you look at your mother, you feel resentment, you feel anger. And God says, that's not how I see her. I see her with love. I see her with grace. I see her like people, not like trees. So ask God to give you his eyes towards your mom. Ask God to give you his eyes towards your stepdad, towards your dad. Maybe it's your brother. Maybe it's your coworker. Maybe it's the leadership or maybe a disciple. Ask God to give you his eyes towards his people. Ask God to give you his eyes towards the people that are yet to be his. Dear God, I ask you that you give us vision, real vision. The vision that cannot walk away from pain. The kind of vision that says, thank you God for putting him in this place. The Bible says that Jesus had to go through Bethsaida. And the reason is because there was someone there in need. God has you in a place Maybe it's not comfortable, maybe it's not good for you, but it is the best for someone else because he planted you there, that you would give fruit and feed many in that place. Maybe your situation is not ideal, but God tells you now, in the name of Jesus Christ, I declare that you are the light and the salt of that earth. 
I pray for those that are parents right now, the young that they are, as young as they are, that you give us wisdom, God. Please give us wisdom to see our children with your eyes always, no matter what. God, please. I pray for the kids here, those that have parents, that they see their parents once again, like you see them. God, I thank you so much for this man. I thank you because you spat on his face and you did what you had to do. Maybe, just maybe, there was somebody else in the crowd that said they wanted healing, but when they saw it, they walked away from you. Well, I believe, God, that here today, someone came and wants something from you, but they're not willing to have it your way. If they walk away today, Lord, so be it. But I pray for those that say, God, whatever you need to do, do it because I want you. That those people will prosper, that they will be blessed, that they will see your hand and that they will see the world in relation to your grace and to your love. God, that they would see you move in them and through them. Bless them, increase them, give them strength, God. Give them that hard head towards you, not against you. Lord, thank you so much for your people. Thank you for this place. Thank you for tonight. In your name I pray. Amen. God bless you guys.